Hi, I'm Dan. Hi, I'm Jenny. And this is Rookie Movie Reviews. What do we do on this podcast, Jenny? On this podcast, we review movies from the top 100 list of IMDb, uh, as rated by fans. Common era of 2019, so now that we're toe first into 2021, this is getting more and more outdated. Yes. So what did we watch this week, Dan? We watched Whiplash, directed by Damien Chazelle, and released in 2014. Uh, pretty good movie, and we're watching a lot of movies that we have seen before. It's nice. Uh, normally we take notes when we watch these movies, and if we... We don't really write scripts, but if we decide that's a good joke, have not been taking notes. Not for Whiplash, not for Joker. Not for Princess Mononoke. Yeah. It's nice. It's, it's good to watch comfortable movies, and while my feelings on... You know, Joker are mostly negative or average. Mm-hmm. Watching movies I know I like. I look forward to that, you know? Yeah, it's good. I like Princess Mononoke. Uh, I am a sucker for anime. Oh, yeah. But, and Ghibli in general. Yeah. But this one, I... Whiplash. Did we say we watched Whiplash? Yeah. Yes, you did. I remember now. I did not love it the first time I watched it. Do you remember why? Am I not allowed to just dislike something? No, I'm just looking to conversate about the movie with no, you. No, I want to shut you down <laughs> with snappy one-liners. Yeah, um, so the first time, and I think I still feel this, but the pacing was weird. Mm-hmm. There are fast-paced movies like Edgar Wright's like Baby Driver or Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. Uh, those, all three of those are Edgar Wright movies that are fast-paced. And it's snappy dialogue and cutscenes and cinema tricks that look awesome. But this movie, it just felt like it went quick. And the plot never... I guess it's because I was never in a band. And the stakes of what's happening don't really resonate with me. That's fair. Like, one of the most critical moments in the movie is when a folder of sheet music gets lost. That's that's a bit different than a bank heist or something, you yeah. know. But I know stakes. I do know how critical it can be when the second chair loses a folder of music. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> why is that? Do you want to tell the audience what you've done? In the past, I was <laughs> I was in band, and um, I went to state solo ensemble, which is, you know, basically the. The band games. It's like regionals. It's like regional. We went to regionals. And me and the first chair trombone were playing the same piece of music. Basically just pick a song and play it and then you get judged. We had the same piece of music and for some reason you had to have your copy. And then you presented the judges with the original copy. The mastered copy or whatever. So I had the master copy and the first chair went after me. And I forgot that he needed the master copy. So I was just dicking around, uh, doing nothing after I went. And I had that moment of like, oh shit, have to bring him the master copy. Ran over and he was clearly pissed, uh, rightfully so. We've we've patched things up though. <laughs> it's good. He, he probably did better than me anyhow. He was first chair. But that is what Jenny was alluding to. <laughs> Same man that's the protagonist in your story we were in tech crew together 
and he fell asleep in the spot balcony and people were freaking out and the school had to stay open late to find him. <laughs> He's a nice guy. <laughs> Good character. You're uh, the antagonist of that story though. That's... Yeah, I was, I was you're, battling. You're evil. I was uh, undoing his, his arc as the insidious seed. If it was a shoujo, <laughs> the dramatic music is you brought the music to him. There would have been close-ups on the eyes and they would have flashed and you would have had horns. Oh, maybe I don't mind Devil being the antagonist. <laughs> one of the most annoying things I've ever heard about this movie is that one time we went, you and I went to see a movie at the campus film festival thing. I forget what it was. I think we went to see It Comes at Night. Oh, they here? Were, in, yeah, they, in Madison? Yeah, they just play the movies at the student union for free. Yeah, we the two we went to were It Comes at Night and The Lighthouse. Or Lighthouse? I feel like we saw something else there at some point. But I can't remember. In any case. We did go see Patrick Rolfus at one of those. And... Yeah. He was speaking up on Bascom Hill. Oh, yeah. That damn hill. I didn't even go here, and I hate that hill. (laughs) Me too. I very much hate that hill. (laughs) But uh, at the Wood Film, uh, Wisconsin Union, we were sitting there, and these students were sitting in front of us, and they were talking about this movie. And one of them said that they like going to the movies for popcorn and soda movies, but Whiplash is really a coffee movie. What does that mean? I have no idea what that means. Oh, I don't even remember that conversation, and I'm mad. It it, it boils my blood just thinking about it now. It's a coffee movie. Pretentious thing. How about every movie's a coffee movie, or a popcorn and soda movie, depending on what you're drinking, guy. Sometimes it's a beer and a hot dog movie. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I ate a hot dog while watching a movie, though. I can remember the last time I ate a burger watching a movie. Flicks. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to make it. They're not going to survive the pandemic. Chicken tenders. And a beer. That was such a good theater. It is still. It will be again. Yeah. They make their own. I'm ready for them to come back. Mm -hmm. Let's get America open. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, in a year after yeah. everyone's vaccinated. There's a new, more contagious strain. So if you didn't get it for the first round, ew. Something to look forward to. Somebody forced a second wave upon us, even though we never finished the first one. It was just <laughs> ebbs and flows of the first one. And they're like, let's spice it up a bit. Like, it's time. It's time for wave two. We've had jalapenos. But I have been growing these Carolina Reapers. (laughs) I'm ready to sprinkle it on. So the movie opens with Andrew Neiman in a practice room. He's played by Miles Teller, and he is playing the drums. He's clearly a driven individual. He's at Schaefer Conservatory of Music. When in walks J.K. Simmons, who is playing this guy named Fletcher. He's band director of the most prestigious band in this particular university. And he kind of pop quizzes him on some drum techniques and walks out. Makes a very big impression. And I will say off the bat that this movie is pretty much the J.K. Simmons show. Yeah. You know, you're watching it because J.K. Simmons is a really interesting... He's very abusive, but uh, captivating to watch. 
and he's he's a very interesting character to watch move around. So he kind of pop quizzes Andrew. Quizzes. Quizzes. He quizzes him. Gives him a little quiz on the forehead. No, he wouldn't. He he slaps him in the face. We see Andrew performing with his usual band later on in the week, and <laughs> Fletcher comes into that usual band and pop quizzes everyone again. And he makes everyone play a few scales of a particular jazz song and uh, ultimately pulls Andrew aside to say, hey, be here at 6 a.m. tomorrow for studio band audition. So right off the bat, we kind of get, you know, a, a real good sense of the, 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 the drive, I guess, of Andrew. We yeah. see him practicing. We see him being quizzed and driven and all that good stuff. So He yeah. also got punked. By his classmates who insulted what he sounded like. And in front of all of them, he succeeded. Sucks to suck, classmates. Sucks. <laughs> Truly. So this is, you know, set up to be a success story, but not without strife. There's a good deal of strife. So once Andrew is in the big band, he, I don't know, he does okay. He still struggles. And Tanner, first chair, is obviously getting picked over him. But we see him staying up late at night and playing, 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 drumming to the point where he gets like calluses and stuff. So he's driven. He's mm. real driven. This first 6 a.m. meeting is when Fletcher puts Neiman on, Andrew Neiman, the main character, on the drums to uh, kind of prove what he's got. And it's a really great scene because, A, it's when you realize how crazy Fletcher is. And B, the build-up is so interesting because you first see Andrew be a little off and Fletcher says, oh, that's okay, try again. He's like, oh, you're a little fast. And then it devolves into him becoming volatile instantly. He throws a chair at him for continuously being off. And then he begins slapping him. Fletcher begins slapping Andrew back and forth and asking him if he's slapping him too fast or too slow. Brings, brings him to tears. Tells him to not slobber all of, over his drum set. It's really intense, and you can tell the rest of the band saw it coming because uh, they just kind of avert their gaze and don't really say anything about it. But again, the Fletcher show, because Andrew just shows up, he's like, oh, yeah, the hero. But whenever Fletcher is around, he's he's making the impressions. And this initial studio band practice is no exception. And then he's asking Andrew for pictures of Spider-Man, and he's being really aggressive about it, because <laughs> Spider-Man is hard to capture. Sick reference. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, more band drama happens, and then it's regionals. Sectionals. Some big performance where Tanner is first chair, as is his right, and they perform one song, and then, you know, take five, or whatever. And Andrew, while getting a soda, sets down the music folder that he was assigned to hold on to by Tanner. Even though Tanner should have held on to the music, uh, which we find out from Fletcher, because the folder goes missing, the sheet music is gone, and Tanner is incapable of playing by memory. But Andrew insists he has memorized Whiplash, which is the ensemble. Also the title of the movie, wow. <laughs> so this is his defining moment. And he gets to play for the band. And the next day, Tanner, I assume the next day, yeah. Tanner sits down in the first chair 
And Fletcher's like, hey, we don't need seconds today. Core only. And that's the moment for Neiman. He's first chair again. Because he got a little kiss. He got a little of it before the whole one, two, three, four shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. The 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 way that Fletcher goes about revealing how Neiman is core is super gratifying. In a bad way, you can feel the heart sinking in the, the original core drummer, Tanner. And you can also feel the exact opposite emotion for Andrew. And it just kind of makes me think, I wonder what the rest of the band is like. Are all of these people psychopathic? aggressive or is it just tanner's the the asshole that everybody knows and deals with you know just as the core drummer because the rest of the band members kind of get along and talk and when you see him warming up they're joking around tanner you never really get that but he becomes irrelevant at this point on to the movie for the most part after he's replaced as core we see that uh andrew is pretty much more driven than ever because Fletcher brings in his former bandmate, a guy named Ryan Connolly, who's the drummer in the small-time band that Andrew started out in. And it's very clear to everybody watching the movie that Fletcher is just doing it because he's mentally manipulative and knows that it'll light a fire under Andrew's ass. But Andrew does not see through this and gets pissed and is very outwardly aggressive to Ryan. And Fletcher's doing that same little bit with Ryan where he's like, oh, you're doing great. Keep it up. Try it out. And we all know that he's setting bait in a trap. And Andrew knows it too, but is so blinded by rage he doesn't care to warn Ryan. In fact, he hates Ryan. Probably wants to see it. They get to a different regionals where, or or we are kind of skipping over a couple scenes here, such as uh, dinner with Andrew's family. He asks the woman who works at the movie theater he goes to with his dad on a date and they date a little bit uh, i think we see him on one date and then he breaks up with her because he wants to focus on his music career mm-hmm. and i also am kind of discounting all of the scenes with the dad because i think their relationship is pretty wholesome or nice to see and it also is key in the end yeah where they just you know watch movies together and hang out seem to have a pretty good conversation back and forth particularly because of andrew's mother's death which is not really a plot point it's just something about his character um so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of filler scenes not filler but like character moments between these competitions just like in glee (laughs) i've never seen glee it's not good it's not even passable is the structure pretty much big competition practice 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 season finale is final competition and then just do that over and over for the seasons yeah also everybody sleeps with everybody at some point oh yeah so it's It's, like a uh, it's a teen drama you know but musicals (laughs) glee i don't know any of the abed song about glee uh yeah from community for the episode that they have to replace the glee club glee club because the glee club all died in a bus accident (laughs) Community's good. Yeah, it's a particularly good episode as well. Back to Andrew. So I'm not sure if this is before the next competition or not, or if it's practice for a competition, but Tanner, Conley, and Andrew get to play a round robin of who's going to keep the beat right. Mm, I totally forgot about that scene, yeah. Yeah. 
So none of them satisfy Fletcher with their pace, and they go at it until 2 in the morning. And then at 2 in the morning, Fletcher calls the whole band in, like, okay, we can get started, once Andrew finally sets the right pace. And this whole sequence, now you bring it back to memory, makes me think, how much of this is actually Fletcher being a really good musician and being able to hear? Because I certainly can't. You know, they're early or late or flat or whatever. And how much of it is he knew he was going to go with Andrew the whole time? He just wanted to mentally torture these people? Yeah. Uh, I think another fun thing about this movie is that we don't get a hell of a lot of characterization beyond Fletcher is a bastard and Andrew will do what it takes even at the cost of his own health. Yeah. One scene that I really like is... During the Misplaced Folder concert, we get to see Andrew watch Fletcher through a cracked door as he talks with a friend of his and his friend's young daughter. He's like, oh, are you going to play in my band? High five. And he's super chummy and friendly and seems like a really great guy. And then he walks into the band room and is immediately this abusive monster again. So he's got some sides to him, but it is pretty much two sides. Or he's able to put on a facade. Yeah, he's actually just an angry person. You have to be a super angry person to be that emotionally and physically abusive to relative strangers. I've never, you know, never would do that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) me neither. I wouldn't start slapping a drummer and being like, am I dragging or rushing? Where are those files I needed? (laughs) Needed those Friday. I need files. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, we. I, I also like the scene with Andrew's family, which takes place between these competitions, where Andrew is explaining to his family that he is now in the core band of, which is really a huge deal. It, it, and yeah. his family does not care. That's nice, dude. Yeah, they're like, oh, cool. Well, so and so is playing football. <laughs> And I think it's funny to see Andrew get all pissed and defend himself. It's gratifying. Mm -hmm. But also the scene, the more I think about it, is kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Because even his dad doesn't really care. He's like, quit talking, Andrew. (laughs) They're talking about football here. It it does seem kind of dumb for the characters to have no concept of the level of music school that Andrew's attending. And just shut him out. I mean, his dad's paying for it, so he must have some understanding. Yeah, that's fair. Plenty of parents don't give a shit about their kids' hobbies, even if the hobbies are their hopeful livelihood. Yeah. Good point. We go to the next competition. Semi-regionals. Semi-regionals. Andrew has to take a bus, and the bus breaks down. And he was told by Fletcher explicitly, if you're not here on time, core is going to Ryan Connolly, the guy you hate. And who's apparently an objectively worse drummer. We all know that in the context of the movie, Ryan is a worse drummer. Fletcher's doing mind games. Again, Andrew is blinded by passion for the drums and doesn't get it. He, he gets pissed and he rents a car, gets there. Which, is he 26? How do you rent a car? Right? Maybe. <laughs> are there different, different laws in New York? Maybe. I don't know. That's a dumb joke. I didn't write that one down beforehand. And a good point, actually. Potential plot hole. 
So yeah. Every, <laughs> anything they don't explain in the movie is not a plot hole. <laughs> so he gets to the competition and forgot his sticks, and he cannot borrow Ryan's at the rental car. Yeah, he forgot his sticks back at the rental car place. He can't borrow his bandmates because Fletcher's like, no, you can't. Just be a dick. He zips back to the car rental place, which is a very light adjective for how angry everybody on screen is Just during this time. Zip zap zooies. He's like, I'm going to zip back to the car rental place, see if I get here on time. No, he's screaming in Ryan's face that he fucking sucks. He's telling Fletcher to go fuck himself. He'll be right back. Very angry guy right now. The angriest guy. He gets his sticks, and on the way back, uh, gets T-boned by what looks like a super pickup truck. <laughs> flips his car, and he gets out and hobbles to the competition covered in blood, seemingly with a broken wrist, among other things. He tries to play because he technically gets there on time. Can't do it because he's covered in injuries. Fletcher calls everything off and apologizes to the crowd for his unprofessional drummer. And then Andrew tackles him on stage in anger, leading to his expulsion from Schaefer. So the the true climax of the movie, I guess, or the big, I said earlier, was the folder thing. Maybe but it's when he gets hit by a car instead. It might, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be the potentially deadly automobile crash, but we now see a post-Schaefer Andrew living his life. After the incident, Neiman has a conversation with his dad, and they talk to a lawyer who represented the Sean, Sean Conley case. Uh, Sean something. Yeah, the other drummer is Ryan Connolly. Right, okay. Sean, who was a student of Fletcher's that Fletcher said died in an accident, and it is revealed by the lawyer that Sean actually killed himself, and they believe it's due to emotional and mental abuse by Fletcher, and they ask Ron, Andrew to testify. And he eventually agrees to do so, which results in Fletcher's career ending, as it should. <laughs> so now time passes. Andrew's working at a restaurant, and he sees that Fletcher is doing... It's not an open mic, but he's playing at a bar or something like that. He was wearing glasses to show that time had passed. Nice Mulaney bit. Thanks. Good job. He wasn't wearing glasses in the movie. Fletcher had a hat. He did. He had a jazz band hat. He's a jazz hat man now. <laughs> so he runs into... Andrew and Fletcher run into each other, and Andrew's talking to Fletcher, and Fletcher <sighs> reveals a little bit about why he feels he was let go from Schaefer, and he thinks somebody related to Sean must have talked. And he asks Andrew to join him for his next big thing. Andrew agrees because that limelight is delicious. Mm -hmm. It's key limelight <laughs> with a with a graham cracker crust. A tangy zip. They do have a really cool conversation, or I guess cool. It's not cool, but central to the characters of how far a person has to go to create the next great and Andrew basically says you went way too far what if you discourage the next Charlie Parker and in response to that Fletcher kind of equates himself to the mentor of Charlie Parker which is very narcissistic and says oh if so and so I forget their name 
wasn't abusive to Charlie Parker and just told him, oh, good job, then he would have never become the greatest saxophonist of all time or whatever. Which I think the movie, I don't know the movie stance on it, but I think it's safe to say that if you have someone motivated enough to become one of the greatest of all time, they don't need to be mentally and physically abused to achieve that. Yeah. Which Fletcher would disagree with. And he says that good job is the most harmful phrase in the world. Um, so pretty flawed viewpoint, but I don't really get the movie's opinion on it. Especially considering the ending. Yeah. Take yeah. us home. Well, and the ending is that Andrew arrives at this competition that Fletcher had put together and asked him to. And we realize that Fletcher knew all along that Andrew tattled on his abusive ways. And to get back at him, he gave him the wrong music and basically sacrificed his own reputation to make Andrew look like a complete idiot on stage, which is pretty hardcore. Fletcher was pissed. That's some Disney villain shit. Oh, yeah. Andrew's leaving the stage ashamed and decides, fuck this. He goes back on stage, takes the drumsticks, and starts playing a song that he's very familiar with, which, according to Wikipedia, is Caravan, not Whiplash. Which is, come on, why? (laughs) Round it out. Starts playing Caravan really well, obviously, because he's a very good drummer. And his wrist is healed. And his wrist is healed. He's not post-car crash anymore. Well, he's still post-car crash. Aren't you always post-car crash? Or pre-car crash? Right now, I'm pre-car crash. We did hit that... You did hit that deer. Where that deer hit you. Oh, out in Colorado way? Yeah. Yeah. Do they have deer in Colorado? Yeah, but they're huge. (laughs) (laughs) Very, Very muscular. And they wear ski goggles. So, <laughs> are they moose? Perhaps. No, the moose also wear ski goggles. That's interesting. What about the rabbits? The rabbits don't ski. <laughs> 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 they they uh, snowshoe. Mm. <laughs> um, Andrew says, "No, I'm going to prove myself," and starts playing. And obviously, Fletcher's all mad because he's being foisted by his own petard and (laughs) he gave me a pissed look (laughs) for a brow (laughs) petard (laughs) he tells Fletcher that he will cue him in and he says to the guy playing bass next to him hey play caravan and apparently this is something that bass man has also practiced extensively because he just starts Killing it uh, on the bass. And the rest of the band plays. And then Fletcher starts conducting for him. Because he's like, oh, it's it's happening. And he gets all excited. And he... They successfully play Caravan. And the lights go down. And the drums are still going. Uh, which is a really cool moment. When you realize that Andrew is not done in his redemption. The lights come back up. And Andrew's sitting there soloing his ass off. And Fletcher is like, what are you doing, man? You you did it. You know, you're the best. And he says, oh, I'll cue you. He plays this rockin' solo. And my favorite part of the movie is during the solo, you get to see his dad watching through a crack in the door as Andrew just freaks out on these drums. 
And it's such a cool, gratifying shot where his expression kind of falls and he realizes that his son is a, a drum god, basically. And just the, the level of awe in his expression is really, really cool. Really good payoff. Uh, Andrew finishes his solo. They do an explosive finish with the whole band and it cuts the black. End of the movie. He's the greatest of all time for drums. End of the movie. Couple of things. So you call the finale Andrew's Redemption? Mm, yeah. Is that why you like the movie? I think it is a super gratifying moment where you see how... Uh, I guess redemption is the wrong word. You see how far he was willing to go. And then at the very end, it's like, at least he's good at what it is. And kind of get some gratification off of that. Though you meant now that you mention it, it's also like, yeah, he's the best, but what has he sacrificed? Is his dad in awe and respect, or is his dad, like, freaked out by him and doesn't understand him anymore? Yeah, yeah, I think this movie is, the first time I watched it, I kind of saw it as Andrew sinking down to Schaefer's level. Like, if you're trying to get someone's, if you want to be held in high regard by a person, wanting to be held in high regard by a person like Fletcher doesn't say good things about you. Yeah. Unless, not unless, uh, apologies to anyone who's been in a, re- a relationship that's abusive and still wants that praise. But also, Andrew had a good out. He got suckled right back in by mm-hmm. his own pride. Not to equate that explicitly to abusive relationships um but it is certainly in the chase of success which i don't know is admirable in this scenario because he did totally backstab fletcher though fletcher deserved to not work with students anymore yeah he chose to not reveal his bastardliness And then he got his comeuppance by the movie's villain, and then he turned it around, and he said, actually, I'm the fucking greatest. You will respect me. So I guess, like, that's, I mean, good for Andrew that he earns the respect of his teacher, but his teacher was a shithead. Mm Mm-hmm. You've, I've never thought of it that way. I've always kind of thought of it as the formation of a super driven person to become the best, but it's super easy to view the whole movie in that lens of actually he was manipulated and he suffers for it. You know, I've, I've never thought of it in that second way. Interesting. I don't know how to feel about it now. I mean, that's still a good story. It just isn't one I would praise as hard. And it's also, um, Really hard for me to not feel, like, stoked when he slays it at the end. Yeah, I mean, you want him to succeed because he's struggled so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what, what is the whole purpose? Because I always thought, ah, he wants to be the best. So he uh, goes to obscene lengths and sometimes uh, lengths that cannot be justified. I'm talking about Neiman, not uh-huh. Fletcher. Fletcher definitely goes to lengths that cannot be justified. But then it could also be like, oh, he he didn't actually want it for himself. He thought he did, and 
I personally also thought he did, but now that you raise that point, it's like, yeah, he never, he potentially never wanted it for himself. He was just tricked and manipulated by an abuser to think that he wanted it. I mean, the whole Charlie Parker story is kind of an allegory for what's happening there. So it's kind of justifying its own message of, actually, abuse does make a person stronger. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I wasn't jazzed on it. You weren't what on it? Oh! <laughs> oh God, that's really loud. <laughs> that was really good. Um, Better jazz movie than Soul, I'll say it. Yeah, we also watched Soul not too long ago, and not gonna dive into Soul in the in the full spectrum of it, but we're running a little short right now, so uh, how would there, there aren't really any comparisons? But what do you mean? Well, I mean, one is about a psychotic driven musician and the other is about a guy learning to live, you know, should we, I don't, I don't know. Should we talk soul spoilers or should we yeah. be vague about it? This is a soul spoilers podcast now. Yeah, warning. So I would call the parallels between them two men trying to find their life's purpose. Okay. And they both think that purpose is music. And for soul, you find out that. Hey, no matter how hard you try and how well you can do, maybe that's not what life is. And then for Whiplash, no matter who beats you down, as long as you try hard, this is life. So, different messages. I don't necessarily agree with either one. Yeah. I think Soul definitely has a more optimistic look at what struggle amounts to. But um, does struggle amount to success or is success derived from having the passion to struggle? So soul kind of gives an out like, hey, even if you fail or don't get what you want, it's okay. But Whiplash says, no, no fail. <laughs> Only do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Otherwise, despair. Yeah. You know, like... These are just two movies about two musicians who are trying to play jazz but andrew's like in his 20s and what is his name and andrew neiman and fletcher oh uh in soul in soul it's joe joe gardner joe gardner yeah andrew neiman's like 20 joe gardner is 40 and they've both given up on love in their pursuit of passion and andrew <laughs> andrew gets to find out this is it this is everything and Joe finds out this isn't everything. Yeah. Crazy. But it's still, uh, Andrew's story is better because there's more jazz in it. <laughs> yeah. It, it is more intense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some very also, intense stuff in Soul, but... Soul is a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe, you know. Yeah. There, there's not going to be bus crashes and A man words. does die. Yeah, by comically falling down a sewer. <laughs> spoilers for the first 20 minutes of Soul. Oh, we already tagged this with Soul spoilers. Oh, good. So, yeah. Good comparisons, though. I, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so some pluses and minuses for me about Whiplash on the whole. Okay. Uh, minuses, I don't think it's particularly interesting to look at. It's all very orange and kind of blue. Okay. And I also 
am not a huge fan of I don't know, the, the the plot is super bare bones. I just had a thought. Well, what was your thought? So in the beginning scene Andrew is going to a movie with his dad and he gets raisinettes for his dad. And then when he pours them in, he says, Oh no, I eat around the raisinettes. Andrew's a people pleaser. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good point. So it definitely what? feeds into him being you know, a Fletcher pleaser. Ooh. Ooh. J.K. Simmons, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, good call. Small little detail. Those are fun to, mm-hmm. to notice. Um, Dad, character, best character. Yeah, he doesn't understand, but he tries. You know, I was going to say that I like this movie specifically for the characters, mm-hmm. but the more we talked about it, because like, oh, they're bad people and everything, but they're interesting to watch. But the more we talked about it, they're not super deep like Andrew's really driven and is actually willing to be a psycho for it and Fletcher is super abusive and manipulative but capable of pretending to be nice and also a hell of a conductor I guess yeah right but man I'm, I'm less hype on the movie than I was when we were planning to watch it and after we finished. Oh no. Which is good. I've yeah. ruined the movie for you. You've given me valuable new insight into it. Okay. What are some overall likes and dislikes for you? Any way you would repackage them? Dad, best dad. <laughs> Andrew, sad. Andrew, sad. Fletcher, angry and bad. <laughs> Fletcher, turn Andrew bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still a good finale. And with a lot more to think about now. Do you understand why I don't love this movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely... It's because I'm an empath. Yeah? Yeah. Does, does that just mean empathetic? Yeah. But it's new agey. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Burns some lavender about it. Ooh. Do you want to rate this thing? Yes. On three? Okay. One, One two, two, three, three six. Six. What the fuck? Oh, oh, oh. Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like it, dude. <laughs> I, I do agree with six. Oh. I was originally going to say, like, after we finished it in that moment, I was going to say eight. Do you think my ankle crack got caught on Mike? Maybe. Eight? So that, seven? Well, I was originally going to say that. And then I don't as want we one said, conversation we, to make you hate a movie. Well, it was a, one conversation where I thought about it a lot, and you made a lot of great points. And it, six is not hating. Yeah. It's positive. <clears throat> we hated Vertigo. Yeah, what did we rate that? Like a three or a four. Yeah, Vertigo sucked. What even is what was even the hype about Vertigo back then? Just uh, Jimmy Dean. It's the most thrilling thing you'll ever see. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, it's not. Any who's all. Thanks for listening. Tweet at find us. us. Oh, oh, where can they find us? So they can find us on Twitter at rmr underscore podcast. What if they only have Facebook? Well, if you have Facebook, you can find us at Rookie Movie Reviews. And what if they have Instagram, Dan? That would be at Rookie Movie Reviews. What, what if, if they I don't have... have any social media? Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> we have a website, rookiemoviereviews.com. And I guess email is the proto-social media. Um, 
Yeah. But you can email us at rookiemoviereview, no s, at gmail.com. And that's rookiemoviereview at gmail.com, not rookiemoviereview, no s, at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Just for clarification. Yes. In case anyone was lost. We should probably say if Rookie Movie Reviews podcast at gmail.com is available. That is quite the long address. <laughs> Rookie Movie Reviews podcast, Dan and Jenny, circa 2019. Don't forget about Cabbage and Pugsley. At gmail.com. At hotmail.com. Ooh, no. <laughs> I don't like hotmail. All right. Cool. Jenny, play us out. Bop, 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 bop.